Hey friends and foes, welcome to the Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott, and today we have Art Book Club. On Book Club today, I'm talking to Visual Nomad. His name is Jennifer, and she's also a Twitch streamer who paints abstract art. It's very, very cool things. So you'll t listen to us, Visual Nomad and I, speak about Hawthorne's On Painting. This book is one I have read once before, a few years ago, and I... I loved it so much that I thought it was time for a reread. So listen to us chat about this book, what our thoughts were about it, how it's affected our painting practice currently, and listen to what we're going to read next. So without further ado, here is Art Book Club. So I'm glad you're here, even though you didn't read the book, which is, you know, excusable, I guess. Did you read well, the book? I've read about half of it, a little over half of it. Oh, that's so way better. Great. I do, have, I do have a little bit of understanding of it, yeah. Well, sure. Welcome in, Rachel. Good to see you. Um, today is Art Book Club, and today on the stream with me, I have Visual Nomad, aka Jennifer, and hi. <laughs> she's she's an artist, and she's super. She also has her own stream, and you can check it out. Um, oh my gosh, do I have a shout out for you? Let's find out. I don't think I don't think I have a fun custom one. How do I spell your name? And oh, maybe okay. Boom. There you go. That's the Visual Nomad. And boom. <laughs> she does very, very cool paintings. Um, I really like your instrument ones lately, and I just, I, I don't play music, but I want a lot of them. I just, they're just so fun. <laughs> okay, so this month on Art Book Club, we read, well, last two months, we took last month off because I was out traveling the world. It was really fun. Um, I went to Italy and did no art, and it was great. It was super you should do that sometime, Nomad. You should you should go off for a month somewhere and do no art. <laughs> oh, I I plan on it when the opportunity arises. It's, it's gonna be maybe more than a month. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. Um. Anyways, we read Hawthorne's On Painting, um, which was kind of compiled by, I, think, Hawthorne's son, and also, Hawthorne's wife because it's Miss Charles W. Hawthorne on the on the cover. So it's it's a family okay. grouping. And oh, Wing, you're here. Hello. Good to see you. Um, um, so this book is a collection of notes from students that have like kind of taken what they've written down in notebooks and things like that and put together into different segments on how to be a better painter, essentially. And I think it did it really well. Yeah. Was this your first read-through of this book? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and it and it's interesting because <laughs> I think the the era that the that these are compiled from mm -hmm. uh, is definitely not the everybody gets a partic participation trophy era. Mm -hmm. um, he, he doesn't really pull any punches. Which is great, and it's and it's not like he's trying to make them feel bad. He's trying to constructively critique them. Like, okay, this is what I see. This is what you can focus on to fix that. Not just, oh, this painting's garbage. Good luck. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So. Totally. I think he wanted all of his students to be really good at painting, and like deeply wanted that. At the beginning of the book, it talks about how sometimes he would have seminars with hundreds of people in it, and he would just talk to all of them individually about their work for hours and hours at a time. I was like, wow, wow, yeah. <laughs> One time, someone came to him with a painting, and they had also brought it the week before to his weekly critiques, and they just turned it sideways, and he was like, no, no, I've already seen that painting, even though I've he's looked at hundreds of painting studies every single week, and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> That's so insane. I know. Because, like, his process, like, uh, this is what astounded me, was that he would take people, so he's based out of the Rhode Island area, RISD mm -hmm. College, he's affiliated with them in some respect. And he would take his classes out to, like, the oceanfront or nearby, and, I mean, there would be, what they say, like, a hundred people in the class yeah. at a time. And they would literally all do five or six paintings in the short span of that class. 
And then he would sit and spend part of the class critiquing all of those. So you're figuring five to 600 paintings, a class period. It's nuts. He's going through. It's bonkers. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's nuts. But like the whole idea of it was to pull them out of, which to go into his teaching more is, um, spots of color and placement and how important that is to the actual structure of a painting mm-hmm. and if you don't have that then that's kind of the soul behind the piece and it kind of loses its its way if you don't have that and so to get them out of that he's like you've got five minutes to make this painting good luck and it's like forget the detail get the basis of it down and to break it out and it's kind of like it's like figure drawing for painting essentially is what it is you know for sure um so that was that was really cool to kind of see and to kind of take in and like where can i loosen up in my work you know uh to kind of give it more of that quote-unquote painterly feel to get more of that aesthetic that i'm looking for Mm -hmm. so honestly i this is my second read through of this book the first time i read it I was, it was like um, seven years ago for me. I was very much a novice in painting. I was fresh out of art school, but I, I didn't have any like the technical gusto that I needed <laughs> that art school was supposed to give me. And um, so I read this book and I was like, everything that all of my teachers have been telling me for years and years makes sense now because I've read this book. <laughs> it's like, it's so good for like the emerging artist, but also the beginner artist and Ah, it's so great. Some of my favorite exercises that I think about over the last, I don't know, a couple of years that I've done to make my painting better are from this book. It's it's so good. Um, my favorite thing. Uh, do you remember when I was doing the uh, seven day art challenge? Like, yeah, vaguely. I remember, vaguely. Okay, yeah. so the whole premise was to do a new start every day. And the idea of doing right. a start comes from this book. Okay, if, right. Uh, for those of you who are listening, um, a start is like just beginning a painting and trying to get faster at getting the most information down on the painting just as quick as possible without being fussy or what's the word he uses? It's like precious or something. It, it's really great. Yeah. Yeah and, I th- yeah. and I think it's like he talks about about things being pretty. Like he comments on somebody's painting is like, it's too pretty. He's like, go paint ugly stuff. Yes, he says it all the time. (laughs) He's like, be more humble. Paint trash. (laughs) Like, what? And he's like, yeah. He's like, pretty things are pretty. That's great. Mm -hmm. But to really get, like, again, like you said, a good painter can paint soul into anything. Yeah. And if you've really got that concept of you know, spot color and lights and darks and how they play on each other to give that drama to the piece, then yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Badger says, see the beauty of the ugly, which I really, really like. Yeah. yeah, There's so many good aspects. Like halfway through the book, it was talking about um, one of the exercises he was recommending that you do in winter, which was paint a lot of still lives, um, which Mm -hmm. is, which is really great. And he says, don't get like the most beautiful bottle you've ever seen. Don't get pretty things. Um, instead, go to a cheap restaurant down the road and ask for a piece of their like broken pottery that they have or like like a, like a pot or something that's all banged up. And then like drop it on your set um, <laughs> when you're about to paint it. Just like just like set it down like it's an accident mm-hmm. and then paint that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, this is so great because... Essentially, and he says this over and over and get in the book, what it does is it removes you from looking at the thing as the thing and gets you looking at what's one color next to another, the spot painting. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. And he also says, look, um, look at the piece from your periphery mm-hmm. as opposed to looking at it straight on. Because then all you can see is just basic, you know, color yeah. in some respects. So, yeah. 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 One really great thing I love from this book that was made a lot of sense to me when I was doing landscape painting before, a few years ago, was you look at one thing in the painting 
and then you you look at what's next to it, but you don't look at what's next to it. You you still look at the one thing in the painting, and then you kind of use a peripheral vision to see what's next to it, and then it becomes like the real color comes out. <laughs> like this is so genius because you know when you look at something, everything around it changes in relation to what you're looking at. Because eyes are weird like that. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So um yeah, and I I love how that reacts to or is like interactive with abstract work like you and I do. Where it's like all painting is is one color next to a next next to the other color, right? And that's what abstract art is. And that's what brings out the sentiment and the emotions. It's not that you're painting a violin and it's cool. It's it's you're making these abstract colors that have the you know, the violin comes through, but it's not you're not painting a violin. It's it's so cool. Right. Right. And it's uh, yeah, like you said, you know, it's a, it's that interplay, you know, it's the layering of color. It's the, what's next to that, that mm -hmm. gives that. And he, and he talks about that. He says, keep the lights together, the darks together, mm -hmm. your gorgeous color will not matter or will not count for much and will result in noisiness unless you make the big generalizations, separate lights and shadows enough to make them solid. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, Mooney just asked a question. She says, uh, mm -hmm. Steph, your work is so geometric, which feels strict to me. How do you get looseness into that? And based on what we were just talking about, it's all in the colors of what I'm choosing. The looseness is, the playfulness is choosing, you know, I, I work primarily in triangles <laughs> on my canvas, to be honest. It's just like triangles everywhere. And it's like, okay, what's the next triangle going to look like? And then you, you get really painterly in the brushwork. And so sometimes I'll build up the paint and make it really um, impasto-like. And that's, that's kind of how I get that playfulness to happen. You see that in the streams? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's good, it's good. Um, I have some really fun quotes to read. Do you have any quotes from this book that you've pulled out? Oh, I have lots of quotes. Oh my gosh. I, yeah. This yeah. is like the most quotable book. What I love about this book, what I love about this book is that you can open to literally any page and get something good. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, okay, pick a page between, uh, like, oh my, oh my gosh, look at all these bits. Thank you for the bits. I appreciate I it. <laughs> all the bits. All the bits. Um... <laughs> Like, if you, my book on my Kindle has, like, a thousand pages because I read it with really big text because I'm going blind, as you do, as we get older. It's very fun. Um, and so I'm like, if I pick a page from one in a thousand, I'm going to get something really cool. So, like, let's do that right now. Um, how about, how about page uh, 492? Or 29? 429. Let's do that. And um, here's a great quote. Are you ready? Just, like, abracadabra. Funny thing about painting, you don't know what... To what makes it right, but you do know what makes it wrong. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That was one that I. It's so yeah, good. That was one that I highlighted for sure. It's so good because <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's like you'll walk up to a piece and you go, "I don't know why this makes sense to my brain. Mm -hmm. Why? Like, what is that draw? Yeah. And it's like, okay, is it because there's contrast color or you know or anything like that that plays into that that makes those things stand out and without that would it be a flatter piece you know yeah yeah but badger says my copy is only 91 pages okay yeah but are you are you reading on the kindle <laughs> are you reading it in ebook <laughs> format my pages they they multiply the bigger you make the text it's incredible um mm -hmm. Yep, I'm just like, okay, so I'm reading it like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, I want to get a copy of the actual book. I feel like that's a good thing. But um, all right, here's here's another one I wrote down. The only way to learn to paint is by painting. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And it's true. It's like you can read books about painting. And I like it because this quote's right at the beginning of the book. It's like, you can read this book all you want, but it's not going to make you a better painter. <sighs> It's just a true, it's, it's, it's real. Give me, give me a quote of yours. What's something you liked? Okay, so he talks a lot about getting the masses and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think this was just kind of like a rough, like really rough critique, but it, it, it comes in in the end. He says, you have gone too pretty again this week. 
Nice as these still lives are, they are made of glass. Your apples would break into a thousand pieces. They are so precious and lacking in vitality. So much energy is taken in admiring them that you haven't any left to paint with. Try to do ugly things so that you make them beautiful. They are too pr they, these are too pretty for words. Love it. Love it. See, now whenever someone's like, wow, your painting is really pretty, I'm going to be like, oh, thanks for the knife to the heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> even if they mean well. <laughs> um, when I was first reading this, when I was, I was at an art residency, and I feel like this next quote I'm going to read to you is what, what you should do when you're going out traveling somewhere and trying to learn from a class or, you know, something like that, and you're going to school. We are going to take home ability and knowledge, not finished canvases. Sometimes when I go mm -hmm. to like an art residency or I take a class with like a really auspicious teacher or something, people will be like, oh, I can't wait to see what kind of paintings you make on your way home. And then, and then you get home and all you have is like sketches and things like that and they get disappointed. But I, I love that a teacher would tell you, you're coming home with knowledge, you're coming home with information. And not pretty pictures. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a really good one. I try to approach all my classes I take like that. Yeah, because I think at first, and, and I think I learned this from a weird perspective. So I'm also a trained mechanic. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I had to endure through is you're basically a doctor for cars. So hmm. they cram all of this information in your brain. Like... I literally took three important tests every week. Wow. Like every week for a whole year. It was just nothing but just getting drilled on things. But until I actually got out there and worked on stuff and allowed it to like kind of work its way into me and what I do every day, it didn't really stick. And I mm. think that's kind of what they understand is like, we're just going to throw all this stuff at you. It's going to be there in the background. And as you go through your day-to-day -day and your experience, that's going to start to become more concrete in what you do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... It's good. Yeah. And I can, you can always find something to learn from everybody. Like, if I don't walk away from something learning something, that's, that's on me. Mm -hmm. So... Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Holly put out a, uh, a message here. Let's see. I'm going to be doing my first painting in nearly 20 years. Really? That's so cool. Okay. I've come on. A, come on to the party. I have a bunch of acrylic paint that my mom gave me and you're scared. Okay. Any advice? Your goal, however, is to start painting on the go. So I'm going to be buying a travel watercolor set or I'm considering oil pastel since I Love the at a kid. Any advice a second time? We need to talk. What, what do you got for Holly? Well, Holly, I picked up painting after 15 years, so I know how you feel. <laughs> Just dive in. Like, understand, like, and I wouldn't even call it a mistake. It's one you're going to have to, like, remember those things that you know about painting. They will come back to you over mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Um. And you will quickly, you'll quickly get back to where you were and you'll just continue to start learning. Like that's what happened to me. Like the first month was me getting back on my feet and the rest of this time, it's been a little over a year and a half has just been me cramming my brain full of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, like don't be afraid of it. It's, it doesn't matter how long it's been. It's still there. Yeah, yeah. She says, I was like eight years old. Hold on, guys. I know nothing. <laughs> even then, even then, your mom gave you a bunch of acrylic paint. That's one very sweet of your mom. That's really cute. <laughs> and um, and you eventually want to do this on the go. So what I would say is just get into it now. Don't worry about doing on the go until you, you know, have somewhere to go. <laughs> Buying as many art supplies as you can is really fun, but ultimately you just need to start painting. You know, uh, pick simple motifs. I would do a lot of copying at first. Like if you're, a, a motif is like a design, by the way. If you have something you like, you're like, I want to paint Spyro because I know Holly Huckleberry really likes Spyro the Dragon. 
um, pick a really simple picture of Spyro and try to copy that and try to copy the colors um, and the shapes. Don't be afraid to trace. Tracing is really helpful. Many, many professional artists do it and hobbyists even more so, and it's really great. And uh, yeah, have fun. This is supposed to be fun, not scary. <laughs> Especially as, a, especially as a hobbyist, yeah. And um, it's so much fun. Traveling, for traveling, um, gosh, do you have a traveling setup, Nomad? For oil paint, no. Mm. But, like, my watercolor kit is just a, I think it was, like, 50 bucks, but it's a Winsor & Newton kit that's got a bunch of colors in it. It comes with a built-in water bottle and, and trays and everything, and it just kind of opens up and expands out so yeah. you have all these different spaces to paint it's really easy to carry around i used to carry it around in my backpack it nice. literally is like designed for six that six by four maybe yeah oh, it's like six by four i tiny. think so it's super small when it's closed down um but yeah i think like watercolor is where i started getting back into painting mm. um, i was a, a mod for a watercolor painter on here oh cool. and i was like yeah what the heck you know I'll try it. So I got into it a little bit, got a little frustrated, and I was like, screw it. I'm going to go back to oil. So I pulled all my oils out and uh, jumped yeah. back in at that point. So Yeah. I find watercolors to be deceptively challenging. Um, they're really lightweight and they're really fun to like bring around, but I feel like you can get frustrated pretty quick with them because they're so translucent because um, they don't dry <laughs> right away. Like If you're impatient, they're pretty tough. Um, oil pastels are a great tool. Um, any sort of colored pencil, that's also really good because you can get that precise mark without trying too hard. Yeah, especially with traveling. I usually travel with ink pens that are like rainbow colored because, well, one, I feel like I always need to improve on making the permanent mark first. And if I have anything that's erasable or um, removable, I tend to overthink things. So yeah, I tend when I am traveling with my with my journal or sketchbook or whatever, I usually bring pens with me. Watercolor pencils are also really fun. So basically they're like a color pencil and then you can use a brush and water and kind of lift up and soften the edges of your watercolor drawing. So that's fun. Y'all should make a tier list of every medium. We should, that'd be really fun. <laughs> watercolor is God tier. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, um, oil paint's the best. It's just, and everything else is subpar. <laughs> now, now, let's not hate on the plastic painters, okay? It's true. It's true. I used to do only acrylic painting. I, I painted Converse mm. shoes, and that was like my first sales as an artist. It was very fun. Um, yeah, those are those are great. Holly, I'd also recommend you should paint with other people. So, like, go go find a buddy mm. and, and paint together, because that makes it a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Gouache gang. Gouache is great. Gouache is, I think, the easier person, mm. like, variety of watercolor, just because it's much more, um, uh, less translucent. What's that word? Less translucent. It's like, uh... Opaque. Thank you. Opaque. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had it described to me once, um, as the love child between oil paint and watercolor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and nice. I was like, mm. But like, and I know a lot of people like get super angry when they try to use it because they're like, it's neither and it doesn't do anything and <laughs> they get frustrated with it. But like the person that I saw use it, like it, it is like, and there are other tricks to it just like anything else, you know? Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> but yeah, I like gouache. Do you ever um, do little studies before you do a painting or do you just go right into a painting? Um, well, I build my references, so that's kind of my quote-unquote study. I guess. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I'm a little unorthodox when it comes to stuff like that. I know a lot of people do studies here and there. Personally, <laughs> I'm too lazy to do that. I would just rather put my energy into the actual piece than, mm -hmm. you know, trying to run a study. So, yeah, but I see the benefit of them, you know. Sometimes I'll do them randomly, but they're very, very few and far between. I see the benefit of flossing my teeth, but will I? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I almost never do sketches for my abstract pieces. Like the one behind me, I just kind of went to town. 
And would it have been better if I, like, would it be a stronger painting if I'd done a sketch? Probably. But you know what? I like how it looks. So there we go. What I do use sketches for is whenever I'm doing non-abstract work. Whenever I have, like, a landscape or if someone commissions me to do a horse painting or something, I, I always do a sketch. Because I feel like the, the composition matters more for some reason. I don't know why it does in my brain. Maybe because when my I do abstract paintings, it's very, like, all over on my canvas. Whereas, like, a figure is pretty strong and needs to be placed very correctly. Maybe I should change how I'm thinking of that, but that's 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 how I do that. I could like yeah. I could see that because like maybe perspective. Yeah. Like you don't want to lose lose the perspective in the piece. So mm -hmm. I could see where you would do that. I mean, I I do lay down a a base sketch on all of my pieces and then I I do a um, like a grisaille or an eboche on top of that with mm -hmm. color mm -hmm. and then I paint on top of that so it's kind of there's several layers to it but there is a base sketch that I do in pencil so you are making those big decisions really early on like um, where the color is going yeah, oh yeah I yeah. mean uh yes and no like I mean I can see the whole thing in my reference so I build my references in uh, on the computer yeah um so I can see the whole thing finished. And at that point, I kind of deconstruct it and see where I want to adjust it because my reference isn't always one for one. So I'll go, okay, well, if we're going to use this color palette, how can I, again, I'm still learning. So I'm trying new things out as I, on, on each piece is something different. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I can always point out, Hey, I was trying to learn this or, or that on each piece. And I can kind of tell you in time where I was with that. But yeah, yeah. I, I kind of deconstruct it after I construct it. So yeah. Uh, Mooney says, don't you do that stuff with the grid system I put in? I So I do draw out my geometric shapes underneath the paintings, but I'm not picking any color, uh, like making any color choices then. I, I do the drawing and then I pick the colors. Um, unless it's a commission and they ask for something specific, then I already know the color scheme already. But uh, yeah, so it's it's similar, but also different. What's one of the exercises in the books that you want to try? Well, you know, this is something that I've thought about. I think that this book is based on an impressionist style of painting, mm -hmm. just from the sound of it. So I think that's different in some respects what I do because I don't it's it's not like swatch against swatch against swatch of color it's more like full like bars or pieces of color that mm -hmm. are larger I work more in layer but you know I fight to put more impressionism in my pieces because mm. I see the benefit of it even if it is those large large areas of color, how can I build that impressionistically, you know? And like yeah. he says, you know, it's the right color next to the right color. Yeah. It's that, how do I, how do I take those color choices and give things life mm -hmm. by how they're set next to each other, you know? It's tough because, I mean, I think it would be hard for you too in the respect of, you are working in geometric shapes. It's not this, like, still it, life. It's more, yes and no, but it's like, I could see how impressionism plays into that too, because it's like, if it's, it's kind of like a modified pointillism, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. You use triangles, pointillism just uses dots. It's the same thing. It's just a different shape of dot, yeah. you know? And how you could work that through your pieces as well. But mm -hmm. yeah, I struggle. I struggle with that on my stuff. One of the exercises I would like to try, that I'm probably going to, and I'll probably post the, the finished work on my, or the unfinished work more like on my blog, but um, I highlighted this. It's what uh, the quote is, what I want you to do is, is make many palette knife sketches, small, simple of mm. three tones only if possible. Showing the time of the day and the weather conditions. Don't spend all morning on a beach study. If it's bad, if it's a bad one, you can do all you know in twenty minutes. Start a new one. So basically, 
he's saying do a teeny tiny like any like like a postcard size painting and do it in 20 minutes with a palette knife i have another teacher who has a similar exercise he calls them transcriptions and basically it's use like a really big br brush that's like one inch or bigger and um also a tiny surface to work on usually a piece of canvas that's primed and ready to go and to do like a copy of a master painting but like really loosely like enough where if you saw it and it looks like like on your phone it's like itty bitty you're like oh that's the girl with the pearl earring but like you look at it and it's just like swatches of color like not super precise and um to do it in 20 minutes i i think doing this exercise would be really good for my abstract paintings i think doing these exercises changes how you see color, changes how you see color relationship, and also gets you to get more information down quicker and uh, make you more decisive of a, of a painter, right? And even if I do these and they're like landscapes or they're portraits or whatever they are, um, I think when I go back to doing my geometric work, I think it'll be improved. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try a couple of those. Maybe I'll do another seven-day art challenge and do some starts. Mm, yeah. Then it you know, I've tried to incorporate more palette knife stuff into my work. This piece that I'm getting ready to, to work on this week, I've been thinking of and looking at ways that I can incorporate my palette knife into it. Because if it is all brushwork, it's really, it, it kind of gets bland. It becomes beige in some respects. Interesting. You need, you need some of that that breakup I think to create some of that visual tension mm -hmm. and he talks about that too you know like yeah how to use a palette knife like don't fall too in love with it because it's really easy to just be like oh I'm just gonna use my palette knife for everything it's like again everything in moderation so how do you incorporate that without making it all just look crazy you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh moderation <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a good word it's good for everything yeah uh holly says that's it i'm gonna do my first painting on sunday thanks for giving the push i need to heck yeah okay now holly i demand some accountability will you post a picture of what you make on on my discord or on your discord or whatever because i want to see it say yes you have to say yes, yes. <laughs> yes. oh it's so fun i recommend for a beginner just get some um like a Good quality sketchbook paper from the art store. Um, Michael's is really common one in the United States, and they have them all over the place. Oh, you're gonna stream it? Oh, heck yeah, heck yeah, Ooh, heck yeah! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I will absolutely come with you. Um, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, whoops! I just <laughs> typed the word Discord and not the command. I'm a pro streamer. Y'all, I've done over 200 streams, but I can't do the Discord command. Hello, welcome <laughs> in. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I would say almost like, I know it sounds cliche, but like even a Zorn palette so that you don't like get lost in all of the colors. Can you describe the Zorn palette I... for people who don't know what that is? Okay, so Zorn palette is... Uh, I believe white, blue, yellow ochre, and a form of red, usually like, um, like a lizard and crimson or something like that, similar to that. And, uh, sometimes black, but generally they try to keep you from using black. Um, you'll mix your black from the colors that you have, but from those three colors, oh, and, yeah, yellow ochre, red. Oh, and um, some form of blue, like ultramarine blue or Prussian blue or something like that. So it's a very limited four or five color palette. And you make everything from that. And you, you, you learn what colors make up those colors and how to pull those colors out. Like how to make a, how to make a, a black from all of that. Um, and how black isn't black as we think it is. It's, it shifts from warm to cold, just like any other color. Mm -hmm. Um, but you, you learn how to, to break down colors more and, um, yeah. And it, it's not as overwhelming. You, you kind of, 
get a better understanding of what to use and whatnot. So it's yeah. a good place to start. Yeah. What is your, um? so on your palette, what are your top 10 favorite colors that you use on your, on your palette? Okay. My palette is normally even limited to nine. Oh, um, well, fine. I, I've added, you look at nine. Okay. So I use titanium white. I use alizarin crimson. I use cad red, cad yellow, uh, cad lemon yellow, which is more of a blue shift in, in the yellow. It's mm -hmm. very, very hard to get. Uh, from just a regular CAD color. Um, Prussian blue. Mm. Uh, Viridian. I mix my own black. Viridian. That's a good one. Yeah, I use Viridian for my greens because mm. it just seems to work better. Oh, um, Burnt Umber mm -hmm. is my my brown color. Yeah, I think those are, those are it. But like I've added Ultramarine Blue. Um, I've started to use that more. So I, I recently shifted my my color palette mm -hmm. um, that I use in my pieces. Um, What'd you kick out? Um, well, I didn't necessarily kick anything out. It, it's more of a hue change than anything mm. and a lot of stuff. Just looking at, you know, spaces that my my pieces might end up in. What is harmonious with that? Because I see. Yeah. when I started, uh, if you guys look through some of my stuff, you'll see, you know, I have a spaceman that has like this wild magenta and really hardcore cad yellow spot in it. And my colors were super intense, super, super saturated. Like, I would just use stuff straight out of the tube. Oh, like, no. That's just who I was. Hawthorne would not like that. Um, <laughs> and um, and over time, I've learned, you know, um, how to use that more subtly. And um, I've gotten into more layering and stuff. But my palette has, and this is something that comes with time, my palette has mm. become more white, mm. if I could put it that way. I don't think people use enough white and what they paint and they don't realize it because it's like, no, that, 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 that's gotta be way too much. And it's like, mm, just get it on there. You'll see, you'll see. Yeah. And so that's kind of the shift that I've done recently. So I literally have, I just have like paint cards that have all the colors that I've decided to choose to, you know, if I need an orange, if I need a yellow, if yeah. I need a green, all of that, I've got those colors and they're like, it's narrowed down to, you know, I think I've got 30 total colors, but I only use maybe five or six of them on a painting at a time. Nice. Nice. And so, yeah, so that's, that's something that I've had to deal with too. And that's why I've added like ultramarine blue and phthalo blue. Like I've mm -hmm. added those in so that I can get those colors and I'm, I'm learning how to use those as well. Cause phthalo was something that I was like terrified of. I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> phthalos are evil. They, they grow legs and they ruin your whole palette and then it's over, you know, they sure do. So it's pretty grand. <laughs> it's pretty grand. Um, okay. I, for a future, uh, video you make or content, the stream or whatever it is, um, you should do a, a like tour of your, your palette and your, your like little studio desk that you've got going on because I think that'd be really cool to oh. actually see. Um, yeah. I've wanted a palette cam forever. Oh yeah. And I'm actually adding another cam, but it's not for my palette, unfortunately. Oh, well. So <laughs> is it for yeah. your feet? No. no, no, no. <laughs> so so I need to have some detailed shots and then of course I still have to have my you know, my painting camera. Of course. And so I've got to swap out the camera that I use for my paintings right now <laughs> and use that as my detail camera because it's it's a better video. So I'm trying to like do multiple things at one time and that way I can just set up that detail camera and just continue to paint and then check it at the end, you know? Nice. So nice, nice. Eventually like I'll get a palette cam, but excellent, excellent. Well, my palette I, I 
I don't have nine colors. I, I usually work with <laughs> like four or five at a time. Um, my staples are my chromium black and my warm white. Those are my favorites mm. that I use. But every other painting I make, I choose either two or three other pigments. And I have probably like 60 tubes of paint, just like in a bag back there. So, <laughs> so like my answer is I work with usually five colors at a time, but they're never the same. And um, yeah. I, uh, Why chromium black? I, so I used to use ivory black all the time. And I, I really liked it, but then I just got a sample of chromium black from Blick and mm -hmm. I was messing with it and I was like, oh, I love how warm this is. I love how much more translucent it is. I love how it's mixing with my, I just like, I was like, this is just so interesting. So I, I basically fully switched to that one. And now when I go back to ivory black, I just see my old paintings and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, eventually I'll go back to ivory and start using it. But right now I'm like, I use that way too much. Sometimes I, I buy the same uh, like color over and over again, and I'm like, I should probably use less of this. Lately, it's been Naples yellow. I'm like, I gotta, right. I gotta stop. It's the color of the new art book club um, sign. You'll, you'll see it there. <laughs> <laughs> That's Naples yellow. Yes. It's great. Yeah. So, so why, why pre-mixed as opposed to mixing your own? I like the warm white. Just, I find that my paintings were getting too cold. And the titanium white was just helping that. And when I wanted something to get lighter, I also wanted it to get warmer. And I found that the warm white was a nice base mix for me to start with. And mm -hmm. um, it had enough pigments that are of, of a different variety that I could pigment match with other mixes that I have in my in my bag of tricks over there. Um, and then the the chromium black. Again, I just I just like that mix for black. It's really nice. Um, mm. But I I almost never put the raw color on my canvas. I okay. I mix probably I do a lot of gradients, right? And so every painting right. is probably three hundred colors or something, depending on how many triangles I put on the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I almost am never in the raw color. Um, not even in white, not even in the chromium black. And I think that mm -hmm. makes for a very cohesive painting. One thing that Hawthorne said in this kind of towards the middle of the book was that um, try not to put one color through your whole painting. And, and Phalo tends to do this automatically just because it's a creeper. And that's something that's actually a skill in my abstract work is to have the same color kind of running through all the other colors it's mixing with. Um, and whereas if it was in a landscape painting, that's usually unliked. It becomes unconvincing, but for abstract, it's different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you take rules that you need and you and you discard the ones you don't and that's how you should approach art books yeah um, yeah. yeah do you have any final thoughts on this yeah, book well i think at first like like this like offense kind of like rose up in me like well what the hell don't tell me not to like focus on shape and <laughs> detail and like why not like what like what what's wrong with that like you know, there's crap there. And, and he's like, no, there's crap there. <laughs> You're like, okay, <laughs> listen here. <laughs> he's like, let me show you why. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. And I think, I think this book tied into um, the Joseph Albers book that we, we read before, mm -hmm. which was, you know, how important color is as opposed to even shape. Yeah. Like, you can throw out a blob of shape and people's brains will automatically make it the thing like, fill in that gap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They'll fill in that gap. It's like when you read a book, if you can pull out so many of those letters and people will still be able to read that, you know? Yes. Um, and we forget that. Like, I think that's, uh, and for me, I think one thing that I picked up on early on in the process was, you have to find out where those, um, oh, like those landmarks are in your painting. Yes. What are those landmarks that absolutely have to be there? Like it will not look like this if this is not exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And if you hit that, everything else is just gravy. It's true. You know, in my abstract work, I tend to start with my highest highlight. 
And that is like mm -hmm. the anchor for my painting. And it's the same in portraits. It's the same in landscapes. Yeah, you, you have to find what it, what's holding it. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's interesting that you work light to dark. I do so, the same thing. Sometimes if That's I, I've been doing. if I'm like, I need to make a dark painting, I will start with the darkest part first. Otherwise, I'll never get to the darkest part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was ex like, and the one, one way that it was explained to me, Colleen Berry really pointed this out because they were asking her about her process of the stuff that she's been doing recently. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about grisaille, which is basically you take one color, usually a dark color close to like black or brown or whatever. Yeah. And you literally do a value study of that piece. And what happens if you do a grisaille is things get so dark. They get super dark. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I changed my palette as well is because my paintings were getting really, really dark. Mm -hmm. Not that I didn't love them, but that's not, that's what not wanted. what I'm going for. In the right. End, you know? And so like learning that, and understanding that and then i saw something about painting light like candles how do you paint a candle so it looks like it's literally like illuminated and it's like you have to paint it the opposite way of what they teach you how to oil paint which is dark to light mm -hmm. if you do that you lose that luminance so it's like i'm i'm starting to paint light to dark now that's the mode that i found myself in so nice very cool. Moving up in the world. We're learning things. I like it. Um, we're trying. <laughs> gosh, I love this book. I It's going to be one of those books that's on my shelf forever. And I mm -hmm. highly Agreed. recommend it if you are in your first couple of years of painting and are looking for assistance. That's, um, you know, you can just go to over and over again. It's really good. Try some of the exercises in the book if you can, because they will help. They'll teach you a lesson, even if you don't have Hawthorne himself standing over you, telling you that your painting is too pretty. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Anyways, this is a five-star book for me. I loved it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's great because it, it does, it breaks out of that normal model of this is why you do it. You yeah. know, it's... It, it makes more sense. It's like, no, there's got to be life there. Like still life, like you said, paint ugly stuff. Cause if you can bring life to that, then it, it's easy to do it to the things that are already aesthetically pleasing. You yes. Know? Yes. Yes. Heck yeah. So. All right. Well, that was good. That was good. Um, sh do you ready to hear the next book? It's fun. Yeah. It's a what good is book. the next book? So next book club, I'm actually going to delay book club by a week because I have a wedding to go to. Mm -hmm. So, I know it says second Sundays, but next book club will be the third Sunday, which is, um, hold on, even did the thing. Dun, 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 dun. Amazing. On July 17th. And we will be reading Takedown. So it looks like Takedown. this. So this is a book about censorship in art, which I think is a really interesting subject. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do my best to get Ty on here because she does a lot of nude art and I think she runs into problems oh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you'll have an extra week to read this. It's approximately 300 pages, I think. At least that's what it said on Goodreads. And uh, yeah, it's called Takedown. I think it's going to be okay. really good. I saw it on Bookshelf the other day and I was like, well, one, the, the cover is just really striking. <laughs> it's really, really good. And um, I am very interested to see what we think of this. Most of the reviews on Goodreads was like, so I read this for my college course and I liked it pretty good. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> So let's get into some theoretical and uh, very real oh. problems. Oh, it's it's such a good topic too. Like mm -hmm. I think we constantly, as artists, especially as so, like for Ty mm -hmm. and for you, mm -hmm. you know, atelier trained artists. There's a lot of figured painting and drawing and that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's just normal. Like throughout art history, the nude has been a normal anchor to those things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that's it's gonna be yeah. good i'm excited to read it it's gonna be really good <laughs> jennifer how can people find you online so you can find me online here at visual nomad and um i believe my website is visualnomad.art 
that should be my website. Heck yeah. Check me out there. Uh, my Instagram link is at the bottom of the homepage and every page that's there. Nice. So you can find me there as well. So Here, here, here and everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming to book club with me. Yeah, it's always wonderful to hang out and talk about art stuff and geek out. It's so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, wait. I just remembered one more exercise that Hawthorne asked us to do, and I have to tell you this again because it was so funny. Um, okay. Homeboy was like, okay, so you're going to go to the beach, and the beach is really fun because it's great. It's got sand, it's got water, it's cold out, it's got atmosphere. And then you're going to do a still life on the beach. Have you ever painted a still life outside? no i haven't i've never so i'm gonna go get myself some models that are ugly and i'm gonna go get some (laughs) books that are beat up and i'm gonna put them on the beach and i'm gonna try and paint them so you can look forward to that (laughs) you like come out with your little table and set it up and like what are you doing i'm doing a lesson it's trash (laughs) (laughs) well even if you found like places with like driftwood and stuff you could do it that way too you know yeah it's gonna be super so yeah that's that's what i'm gonna do thank you so much for coming to this episode of the brushwork podcast and for art book club i had a really good time talking to visual nomad again if you want to see her work go to at visual nomad on instagram and you'll see her fabulous fabulous abstract paintings they're really great The next book we're reading for Art Book Club is called Takedown, and we'll be talking about that book next month. And that's all for now. I hope you have a fabulous day, and peace out, Girl Scouts. See you later. Bye!